it's sort of like it's I, I don't think of myself as running that way, much as I don't think of myself as walking in a way that makes it hilarious that I'm doing strength exercises, but <laughs> but I think when it's visualized, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, that is probably how I'm, I'm moving. <laughs> oh, God, people don't move like that. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's get into this. You want to welcome people back? Sure, William. Folks, you better welcome back <laughs> to another episode of Maybe Next Time. <laughs> I am your host, William Bloor, <laughs> with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for a Neeratandon-led revolution? <laughs> We She's going to do it, back. We are back as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk to you about all things Nets Nation. Simon, have we got a show for them today, don't we? Yes, and for us, William. And for us, yes, <laughs> and for us. Um, obviously, obviously, we wanted to, to talk Tandon at the top because that's really why people... <laughs> People tune in to our our Nets podcast, mm-hmm. um, and why and the and the extremely uh, necessarily lengthy explanation for why we are opposed to her potential right. heading yeah. of the Office of Budget Management. Right for that cro- <laughs> that crossover group, that sweet sweet crossover group of both. Maybe next time, listeners, and hardcore, hardcore near tandem haters. Um, but I think we may spare our listeners because we want to keep this cast under an hour, mm-hmm. uh, which is a challenge for us historically. And we have a lot to get to. Yes. A lot is up in Nets Nation, as I'm sure all our listeners are aware. Um, what we're going to do this episode, it's a special episode. I think we can both agree on that, Simon. A special episode <laughs> in which you and I discuss questions we have about the upcoming net season. In particular, each of us are going to bring up five questions we have about the Brooklyn Nets ahead of the 2020-2021 season. Simon, are you ready to go? I'm ready. I'm fired up. Fired up. So I should say before we get going that uh, this is uh, a tip of the hat to Alex Schiffer, who put his five questions up on The Athletic. So check out his article. I hope our questions are a little bit different than his. Um, that's what we try to try to bring our listeners is a sort of a <laughs> a more um, you know tandem infused right. look at <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets. That's right. Uh, that's we right. want to punch. Uh, we want to punch our underlings at the center for American progress <laughs> is that yeah. it just like uh-huh. Tandon was able to do without consequence. That's right. Um, anyway, so we're going to, we're going to each talk about five questions we have about the nets this season. I'm going to bring up my first question, Simon. Okay. 
And my first question is going to come in the form of a name. Okay? And that name is Kyrie Irving. Okay. You can add a question mark at the end, inflect it, Kyrie Irving. Or <laughs> you can just say it um, with a period at the end, Kyrie Irving. You know? I, I think... The point is clear. He's a big question mark for me. And in order to talk about this question, Simon, I wanted to interject another segment, the Simon Shares a Tweet segment. Okay. Yeah, a legendary segment. A legendary segment. Listeners return often exclusively to hear the Simon Shares a Tweet <laughs> segment. Uh, it's the bread and butter of this podcast, as uh, you know, a- alongside Assistant Coach's Corner, which I'm sure somehow will come up, even though, nope. as far as I know, a tenth assistant coach was not hired this week, but I have not read everything that's out so that could be wrong um let us know if we're wrong about that um so in order to get into the Kyrie Irving question Simon I'm going to read the tweet that you shared with me it is this from Brian Lewis Nets guard Kyrie Irving issued a statement rather than talk to the press and then it goes on to do a little quote of that statement I have not read the statement Simon I found it intriguing that in lieu of the traditional presser, he decided to do a press release. Uh, you're a PR guy. What does that tell you about um, one year profession? It's getting a little shine, right? Yeah, it is. Yes. Um, but what did what did the statement say? What um, what do you think it says about Kyrie and where he's at? That he he would rather issue a written statement than than speak to the press. Well, so one of the most critical things about this was that uh, in the statement he says he's issuing it to, quote, ensure that my message is conveyed properly. Um, So that is clearly a nod to the fact that he – or to the idea that he believes that every time people take his quotes, they are misconstruing them. Whether it's you know him saying that LeBron he didn't trust LeBron to take the last shot or that he has several nets that he doesn't think should be on the team uh, or that he um, thinks that Steve Nash is not the head coach on and on and on uh, and so so then, and that's sort of so basically it seems like he is saying that. Um, it's unclear whether he's going to be talking to the media in the future. Um, I know that the Nets issued a, a, a statement under duress that said he does plan to, and that he or he's looking forward to fostering a quote mutually respectful relationship okay. um, between between himself and the press. So it seems like the Nets are at least expecting him to talk to the press. They are required to. I was going to ask. I'm, um, I'm pretty sure that they that they are contractually obliged to do these things. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't exist because I doubt most players love talking to the press. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I guess is this like the Nets issuing these statements? Is this a way for them to act as if they, they have any control of the situation and they, therefore don't have to, you know, start levying penalties towards him or what's going right. on? Right. I, I, I don't know. And I also don't know whether this state I suspect that this statement is is coming from Kyrie's camp. 
But I also don't know how much resistance within the Nets organization there was to this because I suspect that many, you know, your Sean Marks's of the world are like, okay, well, every time he opens his mouth, there's a, a giant fire we have to put out. So, yes, this creates a thing that maybe we'll talk about this week. We'll probably talk about next week about, like, star treatment since every single other player had to talk to the media. Um, and it creates that that sort of imbalance. Um, but it also prevents there from being – because the statement is very boilerplate, totally, like, middle-of-the-road stuff about, you know, competing with his teammates for championships and letting his – on court, um, you, you know, his performance on the court speak for itself, all fine stuff. Um, so in that sense, it's probably a little bit, uh, you know, of a relief to the Nets organization, but it's unclear how they're going to deal with this going forward. What sort of media access he's going to, to have. Yeah. I mean, he has once again, proven that he <laughs> can take what, for 99.999% of the NBA is a totally routine and um, basically inconsequential, meaningless thing that you just get through and yeah. turn it into a totally bizarre story that everyone has to begin questioning uh, <laughs> why this is happening, what the implications are, is this, you know, are, are the Nets going to have to... Uh, you know, fine him for not right. not uh, living up to this thing. Uh, you know, a part of me, a part of me is is beginning to respect the extreme weirdness of Kyrie Irving. <laughs> like I, I generally am drawn to a pariah, um, you know, someone who is doesn't necessarily have the most popular opinions, right? Um, but. I think it's just really difficult <laughs> to me. And I think I would, I would totally like if this were, if, if, if Kyrie had like been drafted to the nets or something and he was our guy and he just like throughout the long trajectory of his career had gotten increasingly odd to the point that he's issuing <laughs> press releases in lieu of like actual press conferences and things like that. I think I would be like really hardcore defending him, you know, and I'm trying, uh -huh. I'm trying basically trying to interrogate why, why he angers me so much. Uh, uh -huh. And, and I think the problem is, is that it's really hard <laughs> to appreciate this from a guy who is just sort who's just sort of like an interloper, you know, like he's dropped in from nowhere. Um, when we had like a very good vibes team going, you yeah. know, a team that yeah. I really like, and he's just come in stuck a, you know, a, a, dynamite underneath <laughs> this organization and every time he comes out and does one of these again increasingly bizarre things uh something that i would usually be very drawn to and allured by um i just find it really frustrating like why is he doing this to to the team that i love like why did he pick the knicks to do this is perfect knicks stuff i would love it if Kyrie were doing this on the knicks you know issue all the press releases you want on the knicks why are you doing this on the nets yeah it's 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 truly a 
it, it's it is very interesting, and I I agree with you. Like a part of me is like you know they're going to ask the same stupid questions. You know, I don't think any of us have learned pretty much anything from the the whatever twelve other interviews. Right, they're uh, totally from, asinine. Yeah, like hey, right. guess what? They want to compete. Uh, they love the teamwork. Uh, right. They want, you know, they're comfortable with any put, you know, if they start or they don't start, you know, like it's just the, the most generic, and it's not, it it's not a system designed to to create interesting content. Right. Um, so you know, in that respect, Kyrie has done something. He's made something that's totally banal, somewhat captivating. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> While still issuing a banal statement, while still, while still <laughs> putting out a statement that gives you everything that you get from the, your typical um, media day presser. So, I mean, yeah, are you feeling a similar way? Does like does this annoy you? Are you cool with this? Are you? Are, what, where are you at with with Kyrie? So, I think it, it, I I'm similarly torn because I do think it is kind of yes, I I do, I do like the bad boy nature of it. Yeah. But uh, as a as a proven bad boy myself, sure. Um, but I guess to me the annoying part is especially coming off of reading that the um, there was a recent story in the Athletic about um, in part about how star treatment of Kawhi and Paul George drove a rift between um, Clippers players. And right. so, so like long established Clippers players from the team that had gotten them to the playoffs, right? Um, felt like they had sort of helicoptered in and were getting all this special treatment that just engendered a huge amount of resentment, right? And so, my biggest fear with this um, is that other players, including possibly KD, who had to speak to the press, and uh, anyone who watched that knows he. He did not enjoy that. <laughs> uh, Why? Was he really upset through it? He, he was just his usual grumpy self. Yeah, okay. Like, he just, like, barely looked at the camera. He said, like, I don't, when he asked about the James Harden rumors, which puts him in a, in a tough position, right? Because it, he doesn't want to seem like, like LeBron uh, seemed the, the year of the um, rumors about Anthony Davis, where, like, he's talking to, to um, uh, James Harden and saying, like, yeah, you should come play, the implication being, like, yes, we'll trade a ton of the players who are currently on this roster who are my teammates now. <laughs> right, right. So he's, awkward. like, annoyed. Yes, he's annoyed by that question and says, like, you know, I don't know where you people, you know, you people, anyone can just make anything up and the story gets traction. It, just like a, a typical KD presser. Right. It nails on a chalkboard. He hates doing it. The, the press, I think, is like asking questions, and I imagine like immediately reeling back, waiting for the answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, what about the uh, rumors about James Harden? Right. <laughs> right. Just like sort of like the like the Trump press corps. Just like, oh yes. God, if I ask a question, I'm going to be banished or like put in a cage, uh, you know, and publicly yeah. humiliated. Right. Yeah. But but um but so yeah so just to to to, to quickly that was a tangent there but but to, to quickly finish up on the Kate and the Kyrie thing like all the other nets had to do it um and now like Kyrie doesn't have to do it and we already saw he can you know so it's just like it's another sort of star treatment thing that you know like you know uh, Chris Chioza isn't going to be able to do that or you know whatever Spencer Karras they they have to do these media presser things right 
And uh, yeah, right. And it's 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 really not um, difficult to imagine uh, how much how quickly you know. This is one instance that we get to see, right? Of this. Yeah. Um, and it's really easy to imagine that this is you know a public facing thing so we get some insight into how these things play but the, this happens probably all the time <laughs> if he doesn't yes. have to do this very public thing how many private things with the nets that other players are expected or not even expected forced to do does he not take part in and like over time how much how how much resentment does that does that engender is a a massive massive question hanging around this team and i think that joven buha article is is um something to keep in mind throughout the season (laughs) yeah uh this was again this was a feel-good team before before they arrived it's always been you know it's always difficult to integrate stars and stars who very publicly flout <laughs> the rules that other people have to adhere to, eh, probably a little bit troubling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. What's your first question? We don't, we, this doesn't have to be the all Kyrie podcast. Right. Sure. Well, that's a big, he's a big piece. Um, just my, my first one, and this can be short, is can KD and Kyrie coexist? And I mean that on the court. I mean that, you know, uh, in terms of whether they get along with each other. I know they're good buddies now. Um, we have seen those sorts of good buddy partnerships um, not go well, but we have also seen them go you know, very well, like C.J. McCollum and, and Dame Lillard. Um, uh, so, so anyway, so I, I think that's just, that's a huge, huge part of, of what the season will be. Can, can they, like, work together to be greater than the sum of their parts. Um, because as we've talked about the nets are not, that's not the best duo in, in the NBA. Um, so can can they work together in, in a way that is better than, and maybe, maybe they don't have to be better than this, but I suspect they do better than just like my turn, your turn. Right. And you know, one place to look to try to begin to answer that question is um, at their own history with other stars, <laughs> right? So Kyrie Irving teamed up with, uh, not teamed up, but was on a team with LeBron James. That ended, in, you know, that was a team that was basically guaranteed to go to the finals every single year. Pretty good result yeah. for, uh, for someone in the NBA. Uh, Kyrie demanded to be out of that. <laughs> Yeah. Um not not the greatest track record there. KD um leaves Westbrook. I wouldn't put that all on KD. They they weren't able to get it done there. Westbrook's a hard guy to play alongside, I'm sure. So I'm not going to not going to put the onus entirely on KD. Goes and plays with Steph Curry who very easily could have said I don't want another superstar on this team. You know, he had that sort of juice at the time, but allowed him on and by all accounts Steph was as accommodating a star as you could possibly want for KD, right? Um, yeah. And that ended with long stretches of KD's final season where he wouldn't speak to his teammates uh, <laughs> and him eventually, you know, by season's end, um, leaving on what seemed like pretty bad terms. So 
this is not totally analogous um, to those, you know, breakout breakdowns, but it's not a great track record in terms of dealing with other superstars. Yeah, though, in both cases, they, they won championships. But but um, so that that at least is. Yeah. You know, that that's a pr- I, w- I would take that if that's the ultimate end of this. Um Sure. Yeah, we'll yeah, see. yeah. A couple rings and then an incredibly acrimonious breakup. That that would be that's the dream, really. Yes. Yes. All right. So my next question, Simon. DeAndre Jordan versus Jared Allen. Oh yeah. And I'm gonna couple this with a sub, a sub topic called, or sub segment called saddest headline of the week. <laughs> Long-time <laughs> listeners will know that we often have a headline of the week. This week, we have a saddest headline of the week, <laughs> and it reads, quote, Jarrett Allen aware of his precarious Nets position. So <laughs> this has long, uh, long been one of the saddest and most despicable parts to me of the um, Kyrie invasion. Uh, and that is DeAndre Jordan's uh, role on the team, his massive uh, salary, and the sort of demand that he be the starter. And it puts poor, poor Jared Allen, our budding, he's still like the second youngest guy on our team or something like that. He's super, super young, really, really talented <laughs> guy. And we're very likely going to kick him out or or make him come off the bench behind a totally washed DeAndre Jordan. Um, but Jared Allen has to say things like this. Quote, I'm not holding a grudge against anything. It just happens. It was the best for the team related to him not starting after um, Kenny Atkinson was fired. In the bubble, (laughs) I wanted to show that I wanted to be a starter again, and I was definitely capable of playing against playoff-level teams against any competition. So we have this guy who is hands down the best young player on our team. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the only like legitimate, uh, the only guy who's proven he can be a starter who is under the age of 25 on this team. Yeah. And now, and because DeAndre Jordan is a friend, <laughs> a friend of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, we have to have him <laughs> groveling <laughs> for a position on this team. Um, and I wanted to, to couple this with yet another segment called Stat of the Week, which I read in this article, Simon. And it said the young center, Jared Allen, has already racked up 20 win shares, the most of any player in the 2017 draft class, according to Basketball Reference, more than Bam Adebayo, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, and De'Aaron Fox, and John Collins. Wow. So Jared Allen, of everyone from the 2017 class, most win shares. Win shares is not the be-all, end-all metric of who is good and who is not. But certainly it's not something to turn your nose up. I guarantee you DeAndre Jordan is not responsible for 20 win shares in the last three seasons of basketball. Um, And this is the guy, again, who we're likely not going to extend. It doesn't seem like we're going to extend. And, you know, is in every single trade proposal that anyone's talking about right now. Yes. Uh, We can go on to the next one or you can uh, you can agree with me that this is a travesty of justice. (laughs) 
I yield my time. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, yes, I think it's, I think it's very interesting. It'd be very interesting to see how, how this plays out. Um, I mean, I think I, I still hold out hope that when we've talked about this, that like if Kevin Durant actually plays with DeAndre Jordan, at a time on in a season where Kevin Durant, I think, wants to win a championship, will he still be like, "I need my buddy out there"? <laughs> will he really be like, you know, basketball is just a fun thing I want to do with my pals, right? And right now, one of my pals doesn't want to go out to the three point line or put his hands up, or um, or move in any move. <laughs> in any perceivable way, just. Just shout at the guards underneath him to get the fuck out when there's a when there's a rebound um, to be to be gobbled up. Um, so, so uh, have you seen that clip? <laughs> no, but it's really good. I, I mean, I've seen Zach him play, Lowe. which is basically yeah. that clip. <laughs> it's in a Zach Lowe clip. You can hear him say, "Get the fuck out." <laughs> I mean, As he skies for a rebound. <laughs> He is the king of empty numbers for sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, I just wonder how much of that, cause I mean, you know, K- KD, uh, you know, was like clapping at, um, at Draymond green, not too long ago. Like he is capable of getting annoyed at, at his buddies. Yeah, for sure. Um, you want me to do mine? Yeah. What's your next question? Okay. This one, we don't need to spend too much time on. Um, we've talked about it a lot over the last few podcasts, but I do think it continues to be at least one of my biggest questions. Will the Nets add more defense slash wing defenders? Um, I think that is, if we're not going to add a a third star and go some weird wacky way with it, um, we've got, got to add, um, some, some more D. Yeah. Uh, agree completely. This was one of my questions. Who is going to play defense? Yes. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be a great defense. Uh, yeah. But it would be nice if we could we could put together a top fifteen defense in the league. <laughs> and right now, it's basically inconceivable unless you know guys like Torian Prince and and. Um, I don't even know who else is supposed to be. Karis LeVert, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spencer, maybe. Spencer, right. Really, really, really uh, improve on that end of the floor. Yeah. Um, yeah, big, big problem. We talk about it all the time. I think it's something, I mean, we'll see. Maybe maybe it's we're overblowing it. Uh, and and it won't be as bad as we imagine, but at, as presently constituted, seems like it'll be a fantastic offensive team and a, a truly, truly bad defensive team. Yes. Um, so my next question, Simon, <clears throat> is there a big move that has to be made this season, could be before the season, could be by the trade deadline, uh, to, that, to make this team a serious contender? Yes, great cue. I, I have that as well. Are we going for a third star? What's happening here? Right. Like so, you know, there yeah, yeah, there are multiple questions. Do we need a third star or is this enough? <laughs> Do they have enough as as they are? Um and then yeah, who will that, that third star be? This of course is all 
um, in relation to what else is happening in the league. So the blockbuster trade of the week was Russell Westbrook for John Wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't that big of a deal for the players involved. The Nets, I don't think, had any interest in, or, or for it, for that matter, anyone else in the league, I don't think, had any interest in Russell Westbrook <laughs> or John Wall, literally uh-huh. other than those two teams. I think um, more than one pundit has described it as the saddest trade um, in NBA history. Uh, you know, it's it's more or less being characterized as a, you know, uh, you can take my, my trash, I'll take yours. Maybe it'll somehow work work um, in your system. We don't need to get into this trade, uh, like what actually happened in this trade. But the but why it's interesting is because of the players that were left on the two teams that traded, and that is Bradley Beal in Washington and James Harden in Houston. Those are the two other players that have been most talked about in Nets Nation as potentially one day becoming a net as the the objects of our intense desire and lust. Uh, So, Simon, with this trade having happened, destabilizing both of these teams, both of these teams basically conceding that maybe they're in a bit shittier situation than they were trying to front. I think especially (laughs) with Washington trying to say John Wall was good. Um... What do you think? Are, do you think this immediately makes Bradley Beal and James Harden available? No, I I suspect the opposite. Actually, I, I suspect that the teams, both teams, are hoping that this placates um, the the stars they are hoping to to placate. Maybe not so much with the with the Rockets. I can't really. imagine it is for the. I see it for the for the Wizards. I think Westbrook is definitely an upgrade. Right. Um, I mean, he was All NBA last year, and that you could talk Bradley Beal. I think you could talk Bradley Beal into you know that being an upgrade. But I can't imagine James Harden's like great. John Wall. A super ball dominant guy who's been injured for like the last seventeen seasons. So, yeah. but hey, yes. the guy who just traded him went on a podcast and said he looks great. Right. right. By the way, yes. Just as an aside, uh, every every story that and every tweet that has been retweeted in the the net income net nets daily universe about like how great KD looks. Yeah. Uh, there is literally no player I have ever seen that is like something just came out that Boogie Cousins looks good. Like right. everyone just says like, oh, my God, old Boogie Cousins is back. Old John Wall is back. The same John Wall that you would gladly trade for a 32 year old uh, Russell Westbrook on a massive contract for <laughs> right. and give, and give up a pick. Um, just a classic, really awesome looking player. <laughs> no, like, I mean, it's, it's clearly, it does, it does make you a little skeptical of these, um, of these reports. Yeah. I mean, it happens, it happens every single off season. Everyone's gained like 72 pounds in muscle. <laughs> um, everyone's developed the best three point shot in the game. You know, it's the same thing. And everyone, yeah, everyone who was injured is now better than they were when they were healthy. Right, exactly. So, so sorry to evade your question. I, I think that gun to my head, William, I think that the Nets will not make a big 
a big blockbuster trade okay. um, for a third stuff. What well, do you think? I I don't think that they will either. My, I think my question, uh, part of my question was both will they and also do they need to? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, we will have to see. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, with everything that we're talking about, we will have to see. But I think that as presently constituted, it's probably not enough to be a serious uh, finals contender. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I did in this in this um, segment want to bring up a trade proposal I heard on the Bill Simmons show. Another one. Another William. one. So again, this is he actually did in his most recent episode a he recorded the day after a because so he did like a reaction to the Westbrook trade with Joe House. Uh-huh. And then the next day recorded like a 20 minute thing where he exclusively talked about the James Harden trade. OK, so before I, I tell you the details of what he proposes, the Nets trade, I, I will just say he he suspects that Houston is going to trade James Harden to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons. That mm-hmm. is his ultimate prediction. But the other team that he thinks has a pretty decent likelihood of this happening with is the Nets. So, I, again, he's very connected. He talks to I mean, he's friends with a lot of these people. Um, including so, Daryl Morey. Inc- very good friends with Daryl Morey. So probably had not friends with Sean Marks because he, like, Shit talk, Sean Marks, quite often. <laughs> uh, less so recently, but used to. Um, so this is what his trade was for the Nets to get Harden. And in his trade, it would require a third team. Mm-hmm. And the third team... I agree with that. And, and the third team in this instance was Denver. Oh. So what would, what would happen would be this. The Nets would send Denver... Jarrett Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Landry Shamit. And then between Houston and Denver, there would be a division of three first round picks and three pick swaps. So those would be going to either Houston or Denver, depending on like what it would take to get the trade done. Okay. Okay. So Denver basically would get a bunch of picks, Allen, Dinwiddie and Shamit. Houston would get, Michael Porter Jr. and Gary Harris. Okay. And some apportionment of those picks, as mentioned. Um, So I think the idea being that Houston really wants, like, a guy who could potentially be a superstar. The Nets don't have that. You know, Jared Allen, Dinwiddie, Shaman aren't going to be a superstar. So that's why they're going to Denver, who could immediately use those guys. And then the Nets, out of all of this, would get James Harden and P.J. Tucker. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I can see the logic for that. Uh, that would that would be the thing that I think you and I most dread, which is that the Nets, um, you know, it'd be sad to see Alan Dinwiddie and Shamit go, but, uh, you know, at this point they've been included in so many trades, I'm pretty um, hardened to that reality. <laughs> uh, but I think what we'd be really nervous about are those three first-round picks and three pick swaps going out. Yes. Yes, um, d- definitely. But I mean, I w- I would do that. You know, I would do that trade honestly. Okay. Great. Um, what is your 
I guess, final question, right? If that was one of your uh, questions, too? Where am I here? Um, I will tell you. I have I have two more. Okay, great. Um, let's see. Will depth be especially important this season? Mm. Um, and I ask that because... Um, you know, the usual injury issues will be there, but there is also the surging, uh, COVID pandemic that will mean that, you know, I imagine that, um, teams will be even more decimated by injury than, than usual. So I'm, I'm curious whether, uh, you know, that will factor into like the Nets looking for a third star and trading a lot of their depth, um, you know, g- given that you know they could be relying on you know so, some of some of the depth they have even more so than than in years past. Uh, I would just say, and that's better hope that COVID strikes at the two position and not <laughs> at the four. No, we've no. got we've got <laughs> twos we've got twos to spare. But if Bruce Brown's <laughs> going to be playing a lot of four. <laughs> Yeah, no, that'll be a big question for every team. I think the Nets are a genuinely uh, deep, deep team this year. Yeah, a little too deep. A little too deep, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But, uh, hey, that could, that could, you know, prove to be extremely beneficial this year, right? Yes, yes. All right. My final question, Simon. <clears throat> Will fans be permitted at any point this season. So obviously that's big in terms of revenue for the league. They care about that quite a lot. Um, But I just, from a Nets perspective, it's just perfect and also tragic that (laughs) the first time in years that we're going to bring out a team onto the court that has a legitimate bona fide super duper star. And not Mm -hmm. only one, but two of them and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And no one is going to be there to watch it. (laughs) Just the way they probably like it. (laughs) It's just, it's too perfect to it, it, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's sad. Um, but yeah, what do you think? Are there, are there going to be fans allowed? Oh yeah, William, I'm telling you, we're gonna. There's gonna be like, I, 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 I think that there will be advancements in um, testing tech. Yeah, and a push for at least like rich people. Um, to like go into the boxes, maybe have their own little box, but just like you know, get your most bang for your for your human disease uh, vector buck, <laughs> and like try to like charge a lot of money per ticket, right? And and in exchange, get you know your box experience or whatever um, in, in into the stands. No, now, where totally. that leaves the yeah. block, I don't know. I I you know I don't know. Yeah, I could I I mean I could see maybe maybe getting the block in there for a game. Uh block being uh the section for super fans uh that right. Simon and I were in for 2 years. Right. Um 
but yeah, no, I completely agree. I think I think eventually people will be allowed in. Um, those people, however, will just be the um, reptile overlords in human bodies <laughs> that uh, <laughs> get to do whatever they want anyway. They will be at worst, both you know, uh, ten millionaires, but very likely uh, their their net worth will will begin with a B. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, the NBA will get to cash in on one of the most uh, unequal societies that humanity has ever, ever devised for itself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just um, something that Nier Tandon will take care of at the yeah, Office yeah. of Budget my, Management. <laughs> my, my last question. Do you think Katie and Kyrie would agree with Nier Tandon's stance that entitlements have to be on the table? <laughs> right. Um, that Social Security <laughs> really needs to be re-tinkered. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, my last question, William uh how good is KD going to be? Okay, great cue. I think I think our, you know, that's not exactly an original cue. Uh, I will admit, but um, but I think that is a lot of the um, issues we we have or don't have will be determined by that question. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think it's. Uh... You know, we've we've said very difficult to believe in the uh, cell phone footage of someone doing something great as meaning <laughs> that they are back and better than ever. Uh, did you see hear about the Seth Partnow article about Achilles? No. And the athletic. So I haven't actually read it. I've heard a little bit about it. Uh, it's not good. I mean, no one, no one thinks like, oh, the Achilles, you know, not, no biggie. Everyone comes back better. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've all read for over a year now the various like, oh, it was the best leg for it to happen on. Right. And at right. worst, he's going to be like uh, sort of later stage Dirk Nowitzki where he's just, you know, murdering threes and nothing to worry about here. Um. Achilles is the by far the realest injury, and the the analog the best analogy I've heard for coming back from it was was sort of uh, was like elastic on your pants, you know. Mm. And once that's gone, once the elasticity is gone, it's not you can't like will it back into place. And that's sort of like the springiness of the Achilles, right? Like once it's once it's been ripped, there's no way to re-inject that. Yeah, that that elasticity to it. Yeah, um, and yeah, it was like yeah, there was some number. It's like thirty six percent of players of athletes who have had an Achilles injury have never even made it back into the NBA. Um, and you know that 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 it's just because a lot of those players are into bench guys anyway, and that's just going to take them out. But you know that's those are those are scary numbers. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I think, you know, obviously KD was one of, if not the best player in the NBA a few years ago, I obviously think LeBron was always better, but anyway, at worst, he was the second best player in the league. Um, be cool if we could have the second best player in the league on the nets. Yes. Agreed. Uh, All right. Well, those were great. And I mean a great question, <laughs> Simon. Um, we have just a few other points that we need to we need to talk about 
before we let our listeners go, of course. Okay. Um, Nets preseason and first 37 games, I think, schedule has been released. Opening night against the Warriors, and we got a Christmas Day game, baby. Oh, yeah. Against the Boston, the hated Boston Celtics. Yes. Um, how do you feel about that? Um, it's going to be another great one with no fans. Um, <laughs> an entirely fan-driven matchup with none of them. Right. Still, uh, do Exciting, you think? Though. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think? <laughs> do you think KD plays against the Warriors? Do you think Kyrie plays against the Celtics? Yes, they are so early. Um, in the season that I predict that they will not be hurt yet. Mm-hmm. Although Kyrie did blast his face a couple times before the season last year. Yeah, he had some face issues. Not not for the first time in his career. Okay, um, now we're getting into the true miscellany here, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Uh-huh. A name we all know and love in Nets Nation. For me, he's got a jersey hanging from the rafters. You hated him. <laughs> oh, really strongly disliked him. We had some of our most peaked arguments surrounding whether Rondé Hollis Jefferson was good or bad. Part of the reason why I love him, at least in memory, is because of how right I was proven to be in that debate and how extremely wrong you were about him being a, Good at offense in the uh, I just thought he was just right around the corner from a, <laughs> developing a three-pointer. So not to just bring up Rondé uh, to prove that I was right about something once on this podcast, which is pretty rare, um, <laughs> but he's got a new home in the NBA. Have you heard about this? No. Where is he going? He's teaming up with another former net legend D'Angelo oh. Russell he's going to be a Minnesota Timberwolf and Ed Davis is there they're and getting the, the crew back together I, I, I did I totally forgot about that but yes they're the old, old Nets uh, Nets 18-19 get, getting together I know I um, I follow three teams in the athletics you know feed for me the Nets the Lakers because of LeBron and the Timberwolves now. And it is all Nets all the time over there. I cannot wait. I really, 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 really hope the Timberwolves are good this year. Um, I, If they're anything like the Nets of old, they won't be that good. But <laughs> they'll be a fun team to root for. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. And final thing, Simon, I would be remiss. We would be remiss as, as Nets podcasters to not bring up yet another guard that the Nets have signed. Oh, yeah. Ellie Okobo. <laughs> so, Simon, you're a Nets fan first, but you are a French Basketball League fan very much second. Yeah. Uh, when did superstar one or two guard, I don't really know what position he plays, Ellie Okobo come onto your radar? Oh, I've I've wanted a Kobo in a, a back when I was uh, at the beginning of of last year. I was uh, 
Jonesing for uh, an Akobo and Baines for uh, Jared Allen trade. Oh wow! So Interesting. I, I've had I've had Akobo on my radar for some time. And what is it about Akobo that most appeals to you? Um, cheap and <laughs> you're a frugal guy. Yeah, I'm a frugal guy. Uh, and I mean, really cheap on whatever exhibit 10 or whatever they're signing him to. I mean, right. his value is right. It's like you're tough. allowed to say you're on the nets on LinkedIn, but that's the only formal right. association you have with the team <laughs> for the next two weeks. You can put that in your LinkedIn profile. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you maybe you get it a little longer before they notice and tell you to take it down. But, <laughs> a cease and desist uh, hits you on the LinkedIn. <laughs> but I, you know, Ellie is. Um, I think he's. I think he is a classic like size of a point guard, skills of a player who can't really pass, so has to be a two guard. <laughs> right. Uh, do we want him for? He's he's all right at defense, right? I don't know. I don't think he's very good at anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's my understanding. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm talking out of out of school. Or <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you tell me if somebody if somebody thinks that a guy on a very late in the game exhibit ten contract is a good player, but my bet's always that he's not. <laughs> I think listeners should probably know that this is a podcast that stands hard for Elia Kobo. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely already in top three for me of favorite Nets of oh, this season. Yeah, I know that much. <laughs> He's the Archie Goodwin of. Uh, yeah, I got Bruce Brown, Elia Kobo, and Nick Claxton are my one, two, three in no specific <laughs> order. <laughs> oh lordy <laughs> um all right simon you want to tell people where to hit us up yes you can find us um at maybe next time on instagram and twitter and you can send us your comments your thoughts your questions your question what are your questions for for this year well, who who do you think's going to be our breakout player do you think we're going to get a third star what's a trade send us trade packages whatever you want to maybe next time at gmail.com yeah let us know how you feel about elia kobo um other than that he's inexpensive <laughs> and on a what is it something 10 Exhibit 10, Exhibit which is like a paint ten. bit bite. <laughs> right, right. Exhibit 10. Okay, well, uh, thanks for, for hanging out with us. We kept it under an hour, as promised, and we can't wait to see ya. That's right. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn-out recording of a favorite song. She lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read <laughs>